KKVV Las Vegas. Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Posted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. It's good to be back. I'd like to thank Minister Susan Parham from Baltimore County, Maryland, who blessed us last week with the wonderful topic, um, Are You a Murderer? God bless you, sis, and we appreciate you, and thank you. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local and you'd like to join in on our discussion today, you will dial 702-650-5588. Again, that number for locals is 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you to join in on our discussion. That number would be 800-366-8883. I say again, the number if you're calling outside the Las Vegas area to join us today would be 800-366-8883. We are being streamed live from KKVV's website. And that web address will be www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just wave to you. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, even the one that Minister Parham did last week called uh, Are You a Murderer? Then you would go to Save the Lost at All Costs website. And our web address is www.savethelostlv.org. Uh, look for our radio archives, our radio broadcasts. Select the date that you'd like to listen to. The gospel is always free on our watch. Again, that web address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have an iPhone or a Apple device, iPad, things of that nature, uh, you can... Uh, Catch us on iTunes. Again, we are being archived for free. The gospel is still free on our watch. We encourage you, for those who have a, um iPhone device, to uh, check us out on iTunes. If you have a cell phone, which most of us do, KKVV has provided an opportunity for you to listen to the radio station via your cell phone. If you'd like to listen to us on your cell phone right now, then I encourage you to lock in this number. And listen anytime you like to KKVV, but you can catch us right now. Uh, the only requirement is that it only works in the United States. And that phone number is 563-999-3194. Again, 563-999-3194. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my wonderful sister cousin in Christ. That would be the wonderful Michelle Williams Lewis. Love you, cousin. Thank you for always being a sister to me, a wonderful woman in Christ. You do great work, First Lady. I love you, 
And uh, definitely kiss Von Von for me. I love you, Siobhan. been praying for you and uh, your family. And just know that uh, I'll see you in this life in the next. Amen. So we're going to get to the topic today. And the topic is the spirit of offense. Again, our topic for the day is the spirit of offense. Offense means uh, displeasure, anger, uh, moderate anger, scandal, causing of stumbling. Okay? So that is the spirit of offense, and that would be the definition of offense. So let's look at Strong's number 4625. You know I always give you a Greek word, so I'm going to spell it for you, then I'm going to pronounce it, and then I'm going to tell you what it means, okay? So let me spell it for you. It's spelled S-K-A-N-D-A-L-O-N. Again, that's spelled S K. A-N-D-A-L-O-N. And it's called scandalon. Scandalon. It means a stick for bait of a trap. Generally a snare, a stumbling block, an offense. So we're going to get right into the Word of God. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 17. And we're going to look at verse 1. Again, we are in Luke Chapter 17, verse 1, and I'm in the New King James Version. This is the version I'll be using throughout the broadcast. So, again, I'm in the New King James Version. We're in Luke 17, verse 1, and the Word of God says this. Then he said to the disciples, It's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Hmm. We see from the scriptures that offenses will come, but how we respond to them is the real question. Make no mistake and hear me real good. Our response to an offense will determine our future. I say again, our response to an offense will determine our future. I'd like to go down to verse 3. We're in the same chapter, which would be Luke 17 and verse 3. And I have the red letter edition, so Jesus is speaking. So let's look at verse 3. And the word of God says this, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Rebuke means to correct someone in love. God, that's what he does to us. He corrects us in love. And you have to understand, the audience that Jesus is speaking to are his disciples. So this is Talking to believers. See, believers have to carry themselves a certain way. And non-believers, I expect certain things to happen with non-believers. They are not walking in the spirit. So we really, really have to understand this is Jesus instructing his disciples. He's instructing believers. So let me read verse 3 again and understand he's speaking to believers. So if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he is speaking directly to you. So let's look at that again. Verse 3, it says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother or your sister, let's say, sins against you, rebuke him. And if he or she repents, forgive him or her. Okay, again, we're in relationship now. And when we're in relationship, we have to model Christ. 
Very important that you don't forget the audience who Jesus is speaking to, his disciples. These are the ones that are closest. These are the ones that are doing the work. These are the ones who are living and breathing with the word. Are you living and breathing with the word? We should think about that. Now, we need to be very aware that the enemy is seeking to destroy the unity among believers in this hour through offenses. It has been said that the only ones who can hurt you are the ones you have given more of yourself to and really care about. Anyone you have a relationship with is a potential offender to you and you to them. See, that's a universal. But let's look at the supernatural because that's when you call them brother or sister. All right? But there is a responsibility with being a brother or a sister. However, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is implicitly speaking to his disciples and believers. The word implicit is an adjective that means complete, without any doubt, unquestioning, unreserved, absolute. Offense is a trap, and like a hose that is tied in a knot, it stops the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The definition of offend is a trap stick, referring to the part of the trap which the bait is attached, a snare, occasion to fall or stumble, a stumbling block. Offense is a tool of entrapment that the enemy uses on believers to bring them into captivity. A lot of times our motions, emotions, hello, motions and emotions. And you can tie motives in there too. So we have emotions, emotions, and motives. These are used to entrap us. And then to entrap who? The enemy, Satan is not interested in anybody he already has. He's interested in those who love the Lord. And what does he want to do? He wants to bring you into captivity. He wants to separate you from the Lord. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the author of lies. He's the father of lies. Mm. There are two kinds of offended people. Number one, those who have been treated unjustly. And number two, those who believe they have been treated unjustly. Believe they have been treated unjustly. Catch that in your spirit. The second group of people believe with their whole heart that they have been wronged. Their conclusion was drawn from inaccurate information gained through assumption, appearance, and hearsay. Or their information is accurate, but their conclusion is distorted. Their response is distorted to the offense. How many of us have ever been or have had a conversation with someone and what you heard them say and what they really said were two different things, guilty as charged. Often offenses keep hidden or clothed with pride, which keeps us from admitting our true condition. 
Some people try to bury their wounds or hurts, but if not dealt with, it will surface again and again. An offense, if allowed to stay in your heart, will produce more sin. Almighty God is so faithful. He has the Holy Spirit within us to reveal to us our sin. He does it in a way that seems separate from us. So we feel convicted but not hopeless and condemned. An offended believer is one who takes in life because of fear cannot release. Wow. That's powerful. I'm going to say that again. An offended believer is one who takes in life, but because of fear cannot release. Cannot release the offense. So what does that make you? A harborer and a perpetrator of offenses. Mm. I would like us to look at two kinds of loves that appear in the New Testament. And those type of loves that I'm talking about, one is agape. This is the God-given love with no strings attached. It is what we consider unconditional. That's how God loves us, unconditionally. And the second would be phileo. This is the human kind of love that is conditional. It is selfish love. You do it for me, and I'll do it for you. Some even call it brotherly love. But how brotherly or sisterly are we to each other, and mainly to ourselves? So we're going to go over to 1 John. So let me get over to 1 John now. And we are going to look at chapter 4, and I'm going to look at verses 7 through 8. If you're just joining us, uh, today's topic, we're talking about the spirit of offense. So again, we're in 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. And the Word of God says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 8. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Wow. Powerful. Now let's go to the book of John. Let's get back to the book of John. And let's see what the word of God says. All right. So I am going to go to, got a lot of scripture today and I'm moving. Praise God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we're going to go to John 21 and we're going to look at verses 15 through 17. We're going to have a discussion on this, but there's a couple of things I just want to bring to your attention. Again, John 21, and we're looking at verses 15 through 17. Verse 15, the Word of God says this. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? 
He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, this is um, very insightful and powerful. Because the first two times when Jesus asked Peter, did he love him? He spoke to him from agape love. And then the third time when he asked Peter, he spoke from him from the brotherly love. So, but Peter responded all three times from a brotherly love. As you know, Jesus, you know, you know, I love you. And it's so prophetic because Jesus is trying to encourage Peter with his love. Because Peter is walking into his ministry at this particular time. And the very ministry that he's going to do is going to cost him his life. It's going to cost him everything. So you have to get to a place, a position here when you are doing something for the Lord to realize it could cost you everything. It could very well cost you your life. He was preparing Peter. Because he didn't want Peter to be afraid. He didn't want Peter to hesitate. There were people out there that needed salvation. They needed the gift of repentance. They needed to know what real forgiveness was like. They needed to be able to experience eternal life. So yes, Peter was going to pay the ultimate price, but he was going to pay it with love. And not any kind of love. Unconditional love. Amazing. And don't miss that he asked him three times. That's significant. So let's go over to the book of Luke. And we're going to look at chapter 22. And we're going to look at verses 54 through 62. So we should be able to really marry uh John 21 verses 15 to 17 with Luke 22 from verses 54 through 62. And the word of God says this. Let's go to verse 54. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. 55. Now when they had kindled a fire. In the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them, 56, and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him, 57, but he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him, 58, and after a little while another saw him and said, You also are of them, and Peter said, Man, I am not. 59. Then after an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. 60. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him, 
before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times, 62. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. It was important that when we see John 21, 15, 17, that he was asked three times. See, because he denied him three times. Do you really love me? And that was a brotherly love that was initially happening. But see, our Lord and Savior has been resurrected. And soon he will be ascending. And Peter has to have his rightful place. But has he grown in his spirit? Or is Peter going to be a stumbling block? See, we have to remember the Greek word that we had, that we started out with. Scandalone. means stumbling block. Catch it in your spirit, men and women of God. So, this is so exciting. Many people set themselves up to be offended by expecting too much back when they give God's love. Remember, his love is unconditional and unselfish. Real love means sometimes being hurt. God has been hurt and grieved by people he loved, sometimes even by us. If we cut off love, we cut off God. Walls are described in the New Testament as strongholds. Knowledge without God's love leads to deception. If experiences are not bringing forth the character of Christ, his fruit in their lives, they only have a form of godliness, not a true Christ-likeness. Wow, that's powerful. Hmm. Sometimes, men and women of God, I just have to pause. It is, even though I'm doing this and, you know, God has given it to me, you know, prior to me presenting it to you, it still um, overwhelms me. It takes my breath away as I'm still bringing forth his word because I'm being taught. I'm being strengthened. It's just amazing. I'm being dealt with. You know, rebuke is happening uh, constantly. And, you know, you want that to happen. You want to be corrected in love. You want God to care so much for you that um, he does it uh, continuously. Now, we're going to go to Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Again, Second Timothy chapter 3. And verses 1 through 5 and verse 1 reads, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Two, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Three, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Four, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Five, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Wow. They once believed they once followed but now that's all that's left is a form of godliness for they have turned away 
It's just frightening. Sad. Makes you really thank God that you've hold it on. You've held on. We cannot let God go. We cannot. No matter what. We have got to hold on. We have to endure to the end, men and women of God. We have got to. We are now in John 15, and we're going to look at first thing, uh, chapter, excuse me, verse 13. Let me say it again. We're in John 15. We're going to look at first, verse 13. All right? So the Word of God says this. Again, John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that to lay down one's life for his friends. Well, we know our Lord and Savior did that. That truly is his testimony. And he laid his life down for those who weren't his friends either. Wow. How powerful is that? Knowledge that does not change us because it is never applied is useless. Let me say that again. Knowledge that does not change us because it's never applied is useless. Offense leads to betrayal. Betrayal leads to hatred which will rob us of eternal life if we don't repent and forgive. We cannot spend our whole life blaming others and being bitter, or we can choose to trust God to work in and through us to bring about his plan and purpose. If you choose to stay offended, you will wander in the wilderness until you repent, forgive, and let God put you back on path again. I encourage you to study about Joseph more on your own And you'll find that in Genesis chapter 37. Prison left Joseph with an opportunity to get better or more bitter. Okay? He chose to get better. Bitter wasn't even a consideration for him. And even used his prison experience as an opportunity. God is all-knowing. He knew what Joseph's brothers would do with him before they did it. And look how that experience blessed the whole world at the time. Joseph became viceroy. He was second in command of all of Egypt. Pharaoh even said, I do nothing without considering Joseph and consulting Joseph. Can you imagine? Here he was in prison. Here he was sold by his own brothers. For nothing. Couple of pieces of silver. I think it's 20 to be exact. But you guys can correct me if I need to be corrected. I'd appreciate that. But my memory serves me correctly. I think it's 20. But bitter wasn't an option for him. He knew God was with him, even in prison. Even when he was sold to strangers. (laughs) Wow, powerful. It is total righteous and biblical for God to avenge his servants. It is unrighteous for God's servants to avenge themselves. According to the scriptures, God set the members in the body just as he pleases. When God places you in a body 
to let your roots go down and bear much fruit. The enemy will do all in his power to distract you and uproot you because he does not want you to bear fruit. If you are offended and don't take care of it, it will follow you, come up again and again. Many people float from church to church because their roots don't go deep, leaving them so weak that they find themselves unable to endure any degree of hardship or persecution. And the scriptures tells us there will be hardship and there will be persecution. But if it's for his name's sake, then consider it an honor. We have a caller. We're going to take the call at this particular time. Hello, you're on Save the Lost at All Costs, and God bless you. Hey, Shalom, Sister Nina, how are you? Hey, woman of God, how are you? I got your message. Thank you. Hallelujah. And I just want to say happy Pentecost Sunday. A lot of people are celebrating it today, and some people don't know about it. And also, I want to thank you for your service. And Memorial Day is tomorrow. so And you have a timely message in regards to offenses, because I think about the military men. If they were to accept some of the stuff that is being said about them, where would we be as a nation? Amen. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you uh, and your encouragement and your faithfulness Mm -hmm. and your dutifulness. It means a lot. You know how much I love you and love your mom, and I'm just blessed that you're in my life. Thank you. It's a blessing, and and you made a comment about people that go from church because they're offenses. A lot of times, you know, the Scripture also says that we won't be accepted. They will actually kick us out because we're holding to the truth. So, therefore, um, the Holy Spirit is, that's why he's our teacher and and our guide, so, because every door that's open, because you begin to stand up for the truth, a lot of uh, churches won't want to hear what you have to say if you're listening to the Holy Spirit and you're speaking, because we all have gifts. Amen. So that's an encouragement, too, so let those know that they don't have to be discouraged if they can't find a body of believers as of yet. Because think about John in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. so it's just knowing, like Joseph, knowing your purpose. Amen. And knowing that the Almighty is in control and His will is being done in us. Amen. I received that. That was a, a timely message, and you're absolutely right. I concur. And the offenses are going to come because they don't understand what the Almighty has for you, just like they did with Joseph, even though he told them they couldn't receive it. And so that's what you look at, too, because people will say things, and you just have to go on because you know the truth. They'll hear rumor, they'll hear lies, and they'll go with it, but they haven't come to the one who actually went through the problem or through the situation. They're just basing on someone that may hate them or looking to get something. They're jealous of them or whatever the motive may be, even family members. Mm -hmm. So that's what we have to hold to what our calling is and what the Holy Spirit is doing in you and stay faithful. Amen. Stay faithful. I receive that. And Sister Parham, excellent message. Yeah, she did, she did a wonderful job. Great. Love her. Yeah. It's up there now if you guys want to listen. Praise God. Yeah. All right, sis, I'll let you get back to this timely message. All right, thank blessed. you so much. Love yes, you. Love you, too. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Amen. Appreciate that. So we're going to get back to the message. God didn't create create us to live separately but in unity, and to learn to work through our problems with each other, dealing not only with their flaws, but our own and maturing thereby. Again, we have to catch this in our spirit, sisters and brothers. We really, really do, and brothers and sisters. We have to catch it in our spirit. This is a right now message for us. Spiritual growth involves neither time nor learning. It comes through obedience. Remember, obedience is better than sacrifice. 
When Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew sixteen thirteen, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man? Am? Peter replied in the same chapter, in verse 16, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We need more than head knowledge. We need circumcision of the heart knowledge of Christ. A person who is not rooted or stabilized in the revealed word of God is a candidate to be moved along by the storm of offense. A house built on the rock, which is Jesus Christ, can endure the storms beating against it. It has been said that tests and trials really serve to locate where a person really is spiritually. Hmm. Jesus is your sure foundation. Wow. Powerful. We are told in Scripture that Almighty God allows and brings shaking to our lives to show us what we are made of and if we are on good foundation. God knew that the shaking in Simon Peter's life would help him emerge from this experience, not being independent but interdependent on God. It is usually not the big things that shake us. But the little things, the enemy tries to pervert our attitude about who God is to deceive us. Before Jesus returns, God's nature will once again be seen in God's leaders. And this will cause a great healing to take place for many. We have to learn to trust our heavenly daddy, even if we don't understand. God gives grace to the humble. Peter understood this grace because he experienced it firsthand after Jesus' resurrection. When Jesus told Mary Magdalene these words at the tomb, go and tell my disciples and Peter. He's risen. Amen. If we are going to truly be a Christian, Christ-like, then we will offend people because Jesus offended people. And it happens. So let's go to the Word of God. Let's see where we're going to go now. We're going to go to First Peter. And we're going to go to chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses... 14 through 16. Again, we are in chapter 1, and we are going to go to verses 14 through 16. Verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. 16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. It says be holy in all your conduct. Why? Again, be holy for I am holy. And now we need to go over to um, 1 Corinthians and we are going to go to chapter 10. And we are going to go to verses 9 through 13. Again, I am in 1 Corinthians. I am in chapter 10. And I'm looking at verses 9 through 13. And the word of God says this. 
Verse 9, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. 10, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. 11, now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for all. They excuse me, and let me repeat that. Go back to 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our ammunition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation, that's verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Amen. Would you want a God to forgive you in the same way you have forgiven others? According to the scriptures, this is exactly how we will be forgiven. That 70 times 7 comes up to 900, excuse me, 490 times in a 24-hour period. Once every three minutes, Jesus was saying, forgive as God does you, without limits. In Matthew 18, Jesus was saying that this servant owed a debt. He would never be able to pay. Our debt of sin was overwhelming, but God gave us salvation as a free gift. Many people cannot receive healing, comfort, or deliverance, all because they will not release others and forgive them. Mark 11.25 says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses, that any described in Mark 11.25 also includes yourself. We don't have a choice as believers. We must forgive or we are not forgiven by God. Unforgiveness is a sin along with hate, idolatry, adultery, theft, bearing false witness, and other sins that will keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God. God is a just judge, and he will see to it that justice is done. God avenges us. Again, it is unrighteousness for us as believers to seek to avenge ourselves. God is a just judge. His rule of judgment is the same for all mankind. You obey his laws, you will be blessed. But if you disobey his laws, you will be punished. When we try to correct wrong done to us, we become the judge trying to take God's place. Jesus likened the condition of our heart to soil. The ground can only produce what is planted. If unforgiveness, offense, and debt are planted, then instead of God's love, another root comes up. The root of bitterness. The Absalom spirit is one that overtakes assistance to leaders, even in churches. When someone is overtaken by an Absalom spirit, they make statements like, if I were in charge, if I were the senior pastor of this church, if I had been given that ministry, remember what you sow, you will reap. 
A root of bitterness is barely noticeable in the seed stage, but as it grows, it becomes visible. Paul said the way to escape the trap of offense is to exercise. That means to train or discipline yourself, not to let yourself become offended. The way to exercise is to stay free from offense, is to pray for the one who offended and hurt you. Once you have released the person in forgiveness, you are healed. Them, a confrontation is needed. It says are healed. Then, if a confrontation is needed, at some point to complete the process. Therefore, if we are to become mature in Christ, we must endure the hardships that will become our way when we stand against selfishness. You know, sometimes we're going to, you know, have that um, face-to-face with that person. But imagine preparing the soil, uh, watering it through prayer and forgiveness, so that when you meet this person, um, that confrontation is going to yield something positive. Confrontation doesn't always have to be negative. There can be some real, powerful, transforming experiences that happen from that. But it's how we prepare for that meeting that's going to make all the difference in the world. And when we use the supernatural gifts such as prayer and forgiveness, wow, you're going to have a supernatural experience. Some steps to healing and freedom from an offended spirit. Number one, admit you are offended and hurt. Just admit it. Two, open your heart to the Lord's correction. Three, forgiveness and release the person from everything they have done. Four, now exercise and strengthen your heart, mind, and emotions by staying open and tender to the Holy Spirit's voice and obedient to his word. Five, choose to not let negative thoughts reign in your spirit. Jesus is saying anger can lead to hatred and hatred not dealt with can put one in danger of hell. No matter the reason, when we offend, the offended person's understanding is darkened. So we must be willing to humble ourselves and apologize, reconcile, even if it isn't your fault. Do it for your brother's sake or your sister's sake. It takes maturity to walk in humility and to bring about reconciliation. When one is submitted to godly wisdom, they are not afraid to yield to the viewpoint of the other party involved in the conflict as long as it does not violate the truth. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus does not say peacekeepers. Here he says peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Peacemakers, peacemakers, peacemakers. Get that in your spirit. Not peacekeepers, peacemakers. Peacekeepers avoid confrontation at all costs. To maintain a peace, even they must compromise truth. But the peace he keeps will not last. It will surface again and again. However, a peacemaker will go in love and confront, bring truth, which results in reconciliation that will last. The bottom line, if I don't forgive, I'm not forgiven by God. Forgiveness is a life and death decision for us spiritually. If you have someone in your life that you are holding a grudge against, you need to confess it to God and ask his forgiveness. Then you need to go to that person and forgive them and ask them for their forgiveness. Don't waste another day of your life with unforgiveness hanging on your heart. Remember, God looks at the heart.
It is not hard to obey when you really know the character and love of the one you are obeying. Is God's character in question? Is his love is in question? Then do what he commands you to do. The Israelites, the one God called to be the builders, rejected Jesus because they loved their teachings more than the teacher. They rejected what was freshly well, excuse me, what was freely given, which was Jesus. They wanted something they had to earn. Jesus continued a ministry pattern of speaking up for the truth, no matter who would be offended. You have to decide what is more important, your relationship with men or your relationship with God. If you always desire the approval of men, the anointing of God will not fall on you. Another word for liberty is privilege. Another word for liberty is privilege. The major difference between a slave and a servant is a slave has to serve. But a servant wants to serve. And he or she lives to serve. Many believers serve resentfully, giving grudgingly, and complain about it in their heart. Then they are still slaves. Jesus offended people through his obedience to his father, not by demanding his own rights. Others were offended by what he did for others. Can you imagine? (laughs) Once you realize how devastating an offense is in your heart, you want to quickly dig it out and be free once and for all. We all have the opportunity to be offended, but now it is time to be free from that and move on. Have you ever been around someone who constantly talks about their past and how badly they were hurt? Perhaps they were in an abusive relationship or grew up in an abusive family and have never been able to forgive the person who abused them. Whether the offense entered them to abuse or whether they have been offended simply over a comment someone made about them, they still need to let it go. If you've been abused mentally, physically, or even sexually, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to come on the scene and help you release the offense in your life that has caused you so much pain. The anointing destroys the yoke of bondage, all bondages, even the bondage of being offended. Jesus is there to comfort you and to help you and to get over the hurt in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29 says, Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to stumble? And do I not burn with indignation? The same verse from the Amplified reads this way. Who is weak? And do I not feel his weakness? Who is made to stumble and fall and have his faith hurt? Am I not on fire with sorrow or indignation? We can see clearly that this verse, that Jesus is right with us, and he is willing and able to help us through the hard times in our lives. There are many avenues in which one can be offended. The spirit of offense can affect us on a daily basis. We have to choose to not to let people, words, or actions offend us. If you look at Matthew 24, 3, you will see the disciples asking Jesus as he was departing the temple area on morning, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of you your coming and of the age and at the end of the age? Let me repeat that. Verse uh that was verse three, correct? It says, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of age? Jesus replies in verses 
4 through 13. So let's look at that. Again, we're in Matthew 24, and we are going to look at verses 4 through 13. Boy, Holy Spirit, we are pounding, pounding, pounding. Praise God. So um, let me catch up with that. Okay. So we are going to look at the response. Again, Matthew 24, and we're looking at verses 4 through 13. And the word of God says this, For, and Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Five, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Six, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Seven, for Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Eight, and these are the beginning of sorrows. Nine, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Ten, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Eleven, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Twelve, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Thirteen, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when we look at verse 10 again, it says, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. We have never seen so many people taking people to court and suing one another over the pettiest things now. And let's look at verse 12. It says that, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. In this context, what was being said is referring to people who had the agape love of God in their heart at one time. So it's the Christians, it's the believers whose love has grown cold. Many who at one time wouldn't think of taking one another to court or suing one another have turned cold. The word offense is defined as resentment, as an affront, an injustice, a misdemeanor, an attack, or aggressive. That's what we find in Webster's uh, New World Dictionary. It also defines offense or to offend as to commit a sin or a crime to create resentment, anger, hurt, the feelings of, or to be insulted. An offense is simply Satan's trap designed to hold you back from ever being all that God has called you to be. Notice what Luke says about offenses in chapter 17, 1. Then he said to the disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they come. It says it's impossible, but that offenses will come. Snares, traps set to entice one to sin are sure to come. So knowing that the opportunity to become offended will come, we need to learn what to do when it comes our way. Jesus was saying to watch out or take heed because they are going to come. Things will come across your life like bait to a trap and if you take the bait then you're going to fall into the pit that satan has set for you we have to be smart enough that we don't fall for offenses that we don't fall for these traps and snares that have been set by satan to capture us and cause us to never reach the potential that god fully intends us to reach earlier in the broadcast you know i shared the greek word with you for offense which was scandalon 
We take our English word scandalize from it. It means the bait of a trap. The word originally referred to the part of a trap which the bait was attached to entrap or ensnare the animal. That's what an offense is in our lives. It is the bait that Satan sets to ensnare us or to entrap us to get us to fall into the pit that he has dug for us. Have you ever heard the phrase, they owe me or he's going to pay for this? Jesus could have taken that attitude towards us, but he didn't. He chose to forgive us. Therefore, we must forgive those that hurt us. Again, we looked at Matthew twenty four ten, but let's look at it again. And that many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. When you become offended, then unforgiveness comes in and it hatred sets in. In Second Timothy chapter three, verse one, the verse says, But know this that in the last perilous times Last day, perilous times will come. And verse 5 says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power and from such people turn away. We see unforgiveness is running rampant in the land today. Unforgiveness comes as a result of an offense. First offense has to occur. Then unforgiveness will eventually turn into hatred. Acts twenty four sixteen tells us, this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscious without offense towards God and men. Most people don't like exercise, especially when they come, when they first start. It hurts, especially after the first day, but after a period of time, if you consistently do it over and over, you will begin to enjoy working out and feeling better about yourself. Anything you do for the first 21 days consecutively will become a habit. Paul is saying in this verse that we have to work at not being offended. It takes effort to stay free of offense, but it can be done. In Ephesians four twenty six and 27, verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. 27, nor give place to the devil. These are familiar verses, but it's time we realize the seriousness of them. It's so vital that we get all offenses out of us now. We have got to get free of them. Notice also God places a time frame on how long we can feel angry or offended. It says, by sundown, handle it. We have to be careful. We start to build walls of unforgiveness and justify our army of one anger towards others to include ourselves in God. It implies that you've been offended at one point. You have to continually put a guard up and watch over your thoughts like this. You know what? I hope that you got blessed. Understand that the spirit of offense is something that's very dangerous. It's a trap that Satan is setting for us. We stand on truth. We stand on the word of God. Some people will be offended by that. But the truth and knowing the truth will set us free. So we have gotten the truth today. I pray that you apply it in your life. And think about uh, Psalm 6. I encourage you to read that if you need a prayer of confession or a prayer of repentance concerning uh, the spirit of offense. God bless you. It's good to be home. And as we say here, save the lost at all costs. It is our humble prayer that the most high God of all creation and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas' 
very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is... 335852 North Las Vegas 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702 219 6882. Again, 702 219 6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in. And don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what. Why not?